Welcome to Wild on Health, your weekly holistic prescription for living healthy naturally. Lifespan, that's simply the time you'll clock on this planet. Healthspan, however, is the time that you'll spend living your life in optimal mental and physical health. Join me on Seeking Healthspan, podcast loaded with sensible recommendations and tips intended to put quality years on your life. Well, an incredibly special guest today, Julie Daniluk is a registered holistic nutritionist and a highly sought after anti-inflammatory expert, speaker, and award-winning author of four best-selling books. Her latest book, Becoming Sugar Free, is a number one national bestseller and is shortlisted for the 2022 Taste Canada Cookbook Awards. Julie's passion is to speak in venues around North America where she blends her skills and experience in fun and positive ways to promote breakthrough results with her audiences. And Julie has appeared on hundreds of TV programs. If you haven't seen her, you're living under a rock. These include The Dr. Oz Show, Evolve with John Edwards, CTV News, Global TV, The Social, Canada AM, and CBC Radio, just to name a few. You may also know her best as a resident nutrition expert for the number one Canadian daytime TV show, The Marilyn Dennis Show. Welcome to Wild on Health Seeking Healthspan, my friend. Oh, it's wonderful to see you, Bryce. I am so stoked to to join with you on this topic that I think everyone should be eating up. Everyone will enjoy this so much because it's it's truly about how much can we enjoy those years that allow us to have connection, that allow us to have purpose, to allow us to give back. You know, those the oftentimes the 20 years at the end are riddled with illness. And if we can turn those into a golden opportunity to have an incredibly good time, then I'm sure most of us will sign up. You didn't know (laughs) you were being punny there, but you said, eat up. And we're about to eat up. We're an open (laughs) chain and eat up this information. Uh, It all starts with food. And I know you know, and have studied the blue zones like I do. And, you know, whether you're in Okinawa and Japan or Loma Linda, California, or Nicoya, Costa Rica, um, or any of these other places, Sardinia in Italy, uh, these folks have some pretty interesting diets. And in fact, what, what interests me, uh, you know, more than anything is that there isn't necessarily there's common denominators, but there isn't necessarily, uh, the same foods within their diets. And yet, you know, they're living longer centenarians, longer than a uh, hundred years old and with good health, as you just put it. Um, and, and now you coach this global audience about how to embrace this anti-inflammatory nutrition, create a new way of eating that's unique to N of one individual because as you purport, I know I've heard you say this before, there's not a particular diet. Even the Julie Daniluk diet doesn't exist. There's a diet for the billions of people on the planet, an individual diet for each of us. But before we talk about that, inflammation, mm-hmm. it's become a medical buzz term of the day for a really good reason. When you control it, you're living longer. And I know you like yes. to refer to what you call the four eyes. So yes. tell us exactly what inflammation is to start and what we need to do to better control it, to be healthy, and hopefully, God willing, live to 100 and beyond in optimal health. Yes. So inflammation is the body's emergency healing response system. So instead of us demonizing it as the bad thing, we have to remember that it's like the dashboard going off on your car that lights up with these are the five symptoms that you better pay attention to. And those are the heat, the redness, the swelling, 
the pain and the loss of function. And that loss of function piece is really interesting, isn't it? Because so many people ignore the loss of function. The fact that we might become forgetful, the fact that we become very stiff and not, we don't have the flexibility of our youth. We don't really pick up on that as a major sign of inflammation. So right. when we use these practices we're about to talk about and the wonderful foods to quell inflammation, we can really turn around our health very dramatically. And it's so fascinating that there are, there are these underlying causes that we better get to. And I'm so stoked to, to, to jump in. You know, you mentioned a really important point. Most of us, we lose form and function. Uh, we think musculoskeletal, we're in pain. Um, and, uh, you know, potentially uh, applying that uh, acronym RICE, rest, ice, compress, elevate. But as you alluded to, loss of function applies to all organ systems, you know, the brain, the liver, uh, the cardiovascular system, skin, I mean, the whole, the whole uh, kit and caboodle, all our body parts and biochemistry is intimately connected. And of course, the big halt, the big red uh, button is pushed and the alarm goes off uh, when there's inflammation, cellular inflammation. So give us this, um, you know, the four eyes, you know, the, the, and what we need to do uh, to better manage those four eyes in, in top line summary form. Uh, sure. But but what are those? I mean, because you, you write a lot about this uh, in your various books, and, and I think folks are really interested. It's a new way of looking at inflammation. Yes. So the four eyes of inflammation are injury. We all see that injury. We twist an ankle and it can stay with us unless we truly rehabilitate it. But then when we get into infection, we are only starting to understand the impact that infection has and how chronic that can be. We now understand how many people have long-term Lyme disease, how many people have H. pylori that's causing terrible uh, stomach acid imbalances and potential ulcers. We're seeing parasitic infections exacerbating colitis. We're seeing so many different infections that when they're addressed, when we finally get rid of that infection, we see a huge reduction in inflammation. And then we really need to look at nutritional imbalances. And the big one we can certainly talk hours on is the omega-3 to omega-6 imbalance. We see a lot of problems there. When we have a nutritional imbalance or, or when we are truly deficient in a nutrient we need to thrive, then we can end up with a cascade of hormonal imbalances because without those critical nutrients, for example, vitamin B6, vitamin B6 is critical for estrogen metabolism. So if we don't, if we don't have enough B6 and we end up having our estrogen recycle instead of excreting it correctly, then we end up with estrogen dominance, which can lead to a whole host of hormonal uh, imbalances. So I think that's a big, big piece. And the last one I really want to focus on is irritation, because irritation can come in the way of toxicity. We see it with heavy metal poisoning. Uh, one that comes to mind is Tony Robbins is still fighting his mercury toxicity. Uh, he was eating, he was a pescatarian, thinking that was the world's healthiest diet, but living very high on the hog or high on the fish. He, he ended up eating almost exclusively large fish, you know, things like large, large tunas and swordfish. And that had ridiculous amounts of mercury causing him severe pain, like unbelievable amount of joint pain. And he's only now able to get that under control through really detoxification. 
And we also have to look at the irritation piece because sometimes food allergies will crop up that are really serious. And of course that's immune modulated, but sometimes we have just an inability to break food down. For example, if we have uh, lactose intolerance, that means that we just do not have lactase to split lactose into the galactose and glucose. And without that enzyme that works like a pair of scissors to cut those two sugars apart, they cause the terrible bloating, the gas, the distension, uh, the sinus inflammation. So how interesting that oftentimes the irritation piece can be a huge hidden part of our inflammatory puzzle. And that's why with uh, my, my programs and, and my teachings, I want to delve deeply into how to battle off infections, how to solve the imbalances, and really how to heal the injury of the digestion, and then how to rid the body of the toxins and help, help you really understand how to break down your food and absorb it correctly. Because when we solve the four eyes, I see across the board, a huge downregulation of the inflammatory response. Makes perfect sense. You know, for some folks, by the way, I don't think that there's ever a needle in a haystack. I certainly don't experience that with my patients, and I'm sure you don't either, where some folks it's more injury than infection, others it's more imbalance uh, nutritionally or enzymatically than irritation. You're usually seeing a combination of these four eyes, but every individual has got a higher predisposition, I'm sure, to one of them uh, than the other. So that makes perfect sense. You know, we've all come to learn about this great evil. You talk a lot about it and you can't not talk about it in your book with uh, books with all the research available, this great evil of sugar and refined carbohydrates when it comes to promoting inflammation in the body. But perhaps it would help folks, and I wish people would talk more about this. I wish experts would explain this more to people. If we can understand that all carbs aren't evil, and that, you know, perhaps getting a grasp on glycemic load as well as glycemic index and learning about resistant starches is one way to win at controlling inflammation, at least from a macronutrient uh, perspective. So maybe we can unpack that to start as it pertains to refined sugars, carbs, and potentially, you know, the healthier ones to replace these considering glycemic index and load. Sure. So the biggest driver of inflammation from a sugar perspective is how high a food spikes your insulin. And in that equation, over time, if our insulin cannot respond and we cannot put the sugars correctly into the cells, it sits on the outside of the cell and creates advanced glycation end products, which is ironically, I love that the acronym <laughs> is literally age because yeah. sugar ages you on that cellular level. So with sugars that are that are high on that glycemic index. That's why in my book, Becoming Sugar Free, I list over 25 different sweeteners and go into that glycemic index. So at a glance, you can see what is the glycemic index for those who are new to it. It's really, um, let's take water at zero and glucose at 100. And every food is ranked between zero and 100. And some foods even go above 100 because they now realize that some, some foods actually metabolize and spike your, your personal blood sugar faster than glucose. So we have this beautiful scale to understand what is the impact of every bit of food you put in your mouth. But then they realized, hold on a second, even certain foods, like let's take watermelon with a glycemic index of 65. 
it's not as harmful because it's so low in calories. So because the you could have a whole cup of it and have very few actual grams of carbohydrate, that's why watermelon is still seen as a healthy food because the, the sugar doesn't really have a chance to impact you as long as you're not condensing that watermelon down. So glycemic load has become very popular as a way to really understand that we need to temper the information coming from glycemic index. It's not the only thing to worry about that if it's a higher glycemic index, but a low glycemic load, then you're good to go. And you spoke of resistant starches. They're fantastic because they allow the body to have that nice trickle of carbohydrate over time. So it's not hitting you all at once. And when we have a slow trickle, it means we're not having those negative spikes of insulin that can drive insulin resistance. Because at the end of the day, I really see so many people over the age of 40 starting to struggle with insulin resistance. And when we have any insulin resistance, we are aging ourselves. So I do hope that people will stick to fibrous foods that will slow down and sort of work like a crossing guard, like never eat sugar alone. You want to have a crossing guard, help it across the street. So my, one of my favorite foods is actually, um, I love the asparagus. I love arugula. I love avocado. I am a huge fan of artichokes. They're probably my favorite food because artichokes have an extraordinary ability to trap those sugars, but they also help the liver. When we eat bitter foods, we temper our desire for sweets, which is super cool. And it plays a trick on the tongue. Isn't it cool that it actually changes our perception of sweet? So if we ate, say some artichoke hearts and then turned around and had a glass of water, it's going to taste like we put sugar packets in that water. Interesting, right? And that really helps people stay away from sugar. The cholagogue response, as we refer to it in natural medicine, and that whole idea and the notion that evolutionarily, if a bitter hit the back of your tongue, it's a bit of a warning flag potentially to um, you know, re- reject that food or think twice about swallowing that food. Whereas, of course, now uh, we can override that right with our uh, prefrontal cortex and understand that something's probably healthy. But when we have that cholagogue response, uh, the additional flow of bile right, and uh, oh, liver so activity- good that can happen from that. So, so th- th- that's a brilliant way of describing it. Love the idea that, you know, the fiber acts like a crossing guard to temper, um, you know, the insulin activity and the glycemic index of foods. That is the rate and speed at which it would enter into the system, but potentially uh, segue into the, the idea and explain to folks why micronutrients, um, and essentially let me, let me phrase it this way or reframe it this way. The other thing we're doing when we're eating refined foods is that we are getting rid most often of the fiber, Uh, as well as the micronutrients that are, so watermelon, I mean, the lycopene and some of the other carotenoids found in watermelon, nature intended that to be together with that delicious fruitiness and flavor in order to not just sort of slow down the speed or the load of delivery of that sugar, but the stuff, the amazing stuff that comes with it, right? Yes. Yes. And, and, And let's look at salt for a moment because people have demonized salt Well, again, if we just look at the fact that we're refining salt down to sodium and chloride, but it was intended to be 65 different trace minerals, then there's a completely different response to the body when we have it in its whole form. And that's why, you know, looking at Utah salt that's from underground, that's unrefined. If you look at Himalayan salt, 
Those wonderful, rich, colorful salts often provide tremendous nourishment. And I think we need to stop demonizing. There was just another study that was released, we should go find it, where we're, we're, they're now starting to understand that it's not necessarily the sodium that's the problem. It's the low potassium right. that's the problem. And that if we really eat the seven to 10 anti-inflammatory, beautiful veggies per day, we can have the unrefined pink salt on it and have tremendous flavor and satisfaction. And I think that's why so few people um, really feel, uh, I just, I think it's unfortunate that people sort of think that healthy doesn't necessarily uh, have to, it, it's not necessarily the most delicious thing in the entire world. And I'm here to say, oh my goodness, you can have healthy gourmet. Some of the most extraordinary healthy foods pack twice, three times the flavor. So sure. you can have it all. Well, some of it's retraining the taste buds and getting people used to, you know, I don't know, 21, uh, the, the 21 days to reforming habits, that kind of thing. Um, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, electrolytes balancing those. I mean, I, I don't revere that as um, potentially as detrimental to a cell, which has undergone insulin insensitivity and has become riddled with advanced glycation end products, but potentially very close second when a cell is dehydrated and electrolytes are imbalanced uh, and it is ultimately not communicating with cells around it because of uh, that level of electrolyte imbalance, um, that's going to cause the body to respond in its desire for homeostasis and balance to become somewhat pro-inflammatory as well, right? Um, let's talk about fat. You know, you mentioned it earlier. Yeah. I do want to unpack that. Three, six, seven, nine, um, <laughs> twelve. Like, let's talk about fat. I want to cover omegas, uh, essential fatty acids, omega threes. Get a lot of acclaim. Um, but then there, yes. you know, there, 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 there are others that folks should know about than just the omega three. And I, I, I want to discuss also the, the evil ref, in refined seed and, and vegetable oils. So, oh, yeah, isn't it interesting that was in our blind spot? Like I find it so interesting that we've been looking at the evil of carbs for a long time, but people sort of, there was a tremendous amount of health washing going on in the last five years about, oh, just fry it in, in better oil and you'll be fine. <laughs> um, but really, when we look at how ironic that most of these veggie oils are also genetically modified and they're not veggies at all. When you really think of it. The canola, the corn, the cottonseed, the, the soya oil. I mean, these are very detrimental to our health and they're when they become rancid through the frying process, I think they become extremely inflammatory. So all these are very high in omega-6 and these rancid oxidized omega-6s, we're not talking about right. you know, eating an almond, um, that is gonna be driving arachidonic acid, which is one of the precursors to inflammatory responses in the body. So we wanna really downregulate those, those negative fats. And I just want to say the omega-3s, they're not all created equal. And I know you right. are huge on this is, is that there's the flax and the chia and the hemp, and they're all rich in ALA, but we need to help the body convert that over to EPA, DHA. But unfortunately you have very little conversion. Some people are missing everything they need because there's like six different cofactors to turn omega-3 ALA into EPA, DHA, and you need more magnesium. You need lots of vitamin B6, like yep. good luck finding that. Or maybe you're really stressed or you're inflamed already. Vitamin you're not going to have, yeah, you're B2. not going to be able to 
B3. We just talked about insulin. No, no, not, not, not many folks understand this, but that conversion, as you well know, from ALA into SDA and down the chute uh, is insulin dependent. So once you develop that insulin insensitivity, uh, that, that, that's a essential coenzyme to the Delta 60 saturase, right? To yes. convert that downstream. So very, very important point. Yes. And not, not to mention omega-6 and omega-3 share the same enzyme for conversion. So if you've got a very rich omega-6 diet, good luck converting your omega-3s. Right. So you better mm-hmm. go downstream and have EPA, DHA so that you can immediately start to relieve some of this inflammation. So I really appreciate having very small little fish. Like I've taken to mackerel because it actually tastes one of the best out of all the small fish. I also make one mean Caesar salad dressing with real anchovies that are packed in glass um, Mm. and very delicious. So you can find some small fish or you may want to uh, just look for a very high quality omega-3 that has been tested for heavy metals. And the smaller the fish, the better, because of course the biomagnification that comes from eating large, large fish. That's why sadly, one of my favorite fish was tuna. And I've had to say goodbye to it because I flag high for mercury from my years of being pescatarian. So I, I recommend that heavy metal test before you indulge in certain fish. But yeah. let's also talk algae for a moment because there's some wonderful new Uh, products on the horizon that allow us to grow really pre-converted omega-3 in tanks so that people can have delicious salad dressings, spike their their smoothie bowl, but not necessarily have that fishy aftertaste. So I think uh, it's an exciting time to be a human uh, because the the brain is made up of so much omega-3. And I see so many vegetarians really having memory issues after a year or two. I mean, that's one thing is, is vegetarianism. A lot of people tout it as the world's healthiest thing, but I was vegetarian for many, many years. And I think I had some terrible nutritional deficiencies as a result. So if you want to be, yeah, if you want to be vegetarian, watch your iron, watch your protein, watch your zinc, watch your B12 and watch your omega-3. That's a lot of things to be careful about. Well, you know, it's interesting because this does go back to um, these pockets around the world, these blue zones where in Loma Linda, uh, they are strict vegetarians. Um, you know, seventh day Adventist, this is the pocket for, for, for whom I'm referring to. Uh, but they get, they, they're smart. They also understand that and, and often will supplement, but the, the, some of the common threads common underlying, um, similarities between these pockets around the world is in fact, that the research does show they do have higher than average omega-3, uh, and omega, uh, the, the essential fatty acids, omega-3, um, EPA and, and DHA in their red blood cell membrane. I know you really appreciate the work of Dr. Bill Harris as well. And uh, Omega Quant, anyone can get this test done at home, simple blood prick, uh, finger stick test, and send that off to a lab to determine your omega-3 red blood cell saturation points. We all want to have more than 8% in our uh, red blood cell membrane, um, which ultimately does, as you'll agree, uh, resist and limit uh, and and, uh, reduce the potential for the ravages of inflammation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we're all underdosing omega-3. I think 100%. we pay it lip service and have like a capsule a day. So many people who start with me, I'm like, how much are you taking? And they're like, oh, 500 milligrams. <laughs> I don't think that's compensating for the avocado fried thing that you're eating. You know, right. a lot of people are eating these avocado oil chips 
thinking, oh, it's a better choice, but it's not quite making up for it. You know, that's the interesting thing about uh, nutrition. And, uh, you know, if I were to stay in my lanes, um, you know, from a clinical perspective, it is the beyond nutrition into supplementation. But what we're talking about most often in the world of nutraceutics and functional medicine in terms of supplementation is not necessarily supplementing a deficiency. Often it is in the case of vegetarianism, as you mentioned, some of the amino acids can get low, um, you know, so the iron or some of the B complexes, folic acid, for example, B12. Um, and, uh, but, but we're talking about using extracts from foods, naturally occurring, um, foods and, or, uh, herbs, uh, nutrients coming from uh, plants and so forth that end up having a therapeutic benefit, confer health benefit, not necessarily replace a deficiency. So I, I do believe that, uh, EPA, DHA, omega-3s is both. I think not only are most people deficient, like they are with vitamin D, but I think that they require therapeutic ranges that you probably couldn't achieve out of your diet, even if the fish on this planet were clean to eat, most of us probably wouldn't eat that palm sized piece of, uh, you know, salmon four or five times a week, just to barely prevent efficiency. So I think you're right. I think that's where we're at. Yeah. Um, let, let's switch. If you don't mind, I know we're top lining, skimming all this stuff in the interest of time. And this podcast is sort of, you know, 30 to 40 minute time frame. Um, uh, but this is all incredible, very useful information. I, I just want to switch gears quickly to our microbiome. Mm. Uh, so numerous studies, um, have linked the gut microbiome to inflammatory diseases, uh, demonstrated that the immune mediated inflammatory disease like Crohn's colitis, um, which by the way, uh, you had and recovered from. Right. Yes. And this is some of your backstory, multiple sclerosis, mm. not what you had, but this is also something that folks uh, experience and rheumatoid arthritis, um, changing the composition of the gut microbiota though. Um, and we know that microbiome health is all about establishing diversity of the health conferring probiotics in the gut, but how do we do that with diet? I know there's all kinds of supplements out there. In mm -hmm. fact, I encourage people to check out probioticchart.ca. It's a wonderful conglomeration of you know, science and evidence-based strains and species that confer specific health benefit. But how do we go to more fermented foods and the soluble fiber that you talk so much mm. about in your books to in, you know, essentially reestablish this good gut microbiome? I'm dealing with a lot of people who do not like the taste of sauerkraut. Right. And of course, being half Ukrainian, sauerkraut is like a mainstay. Staples. Yeah. You eat it for so, breakfast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So I figured out how to make most people enjoy it. And that is you actually drop a few drops of monk fruit or stevia into the brine liquid. And that creates like a lemonade. Hmm. And that actually makes it very palatable because what people are really not particularly liking is the intensity of the sour. So if we can get you over that, then you really will often enjoy it more. So moving into kemche, which is basically just super spicy version of sauerkraut. And then of course, we've got things like if you tolerate organic soybeans, then having tempeh is a really popular thing to do. Um, but I just want to focus on the amount of veggies that are required to set up the right microbiome. So we want to double down on that seven to 10 veggies and have extreme diversity there as much color as possible, because we know that's going to also encourage the right microbiome. I'm amazed at how many people have had antibiotics and how antibiotics decimate your, your natural microbiome for up to a year, it will change how your gut responds. And may, it may never return to the way it was because when you empty out the parking lot, 
it will fill up with those yeast strains. And all of a sudden you're, you're dealing with how to fight the candida induced cravings because we forget that the microbiome is so powerful that they have a chance to talk via the vagus nerve and tell you, hey, I want more sugar, send it down. So that's my concern about people addicted to kombucha. I mean, it's a serious uh, addiction for some because we have to remember that some kombucha companies are pumping their um, actual SCOBY mothers full of refined sugar. So if we can move to as holistic as possible, look, if you are going to indulge, making sure the sugar grams are at their absolute lowest, um, that it's, it's fully through fermented, that you, you're dealing with a company that really watches the microbiome diversity and switch as, as best you can over to things like kefir. Like there's a gorgeous company called Spirit Nutrition. I don't mind mentioning them. I have no affiliation that makes the most delicious coconut kefir I've ever tasted in my whole life. I mean, it is like liquid ice cream. Like you are just mm. blown away, but it is so diverse with all these good bacteria and wonderful probiotic shall I say, beneficial yeast strains that are so good for you. So look for, you know, the coconut yogurt, the coconut um, kefir, making sure that we take a rest from our big potential allergy foods. Most people over the age of 40, they're just not breaking dairy down correctly. You know, between its insulin spiking nature, we have to remember that dairy is very insulin spiking. It's growth factor one. It's massive amounts of crazy, unless you're buying certified organic, there's so many influx. There's a great influx of toxins with conventional dairy. So I just say, if we can give a pause to that and embrace a dairy alternatives, we can have so much fun with, uh, with cashew based cheeses. And um, there's even naturally fermented uh, faux butter now, if you can right. believe it. So, so neat to see where the, the probiotic foods are going, um, but really focus on seven to 10 veggies. I'm sorry, I went a little crazy makes, there because you makes, can tell I'm passionate about this one. No, it makes perfect sense. You know, so we, we, we spoke about sugar, refined carbohydrates, GIGL. We spoke about fat, the essential fatty acids briefly, um, the microbiome. Um, let me get, cause we, this conversation wouldn't be a conversation about anti-inflammatory foods. If we didn't at least cover some of the spices, you know, people are becoming more and more aware of the powerful, uh, inflammation fighting effects of spices like turmeric and curcumin and ginger and green tea, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but what are some of Julie Dalek's favorite anti-inflammatory spices with this qualification that perhaps few people have even heard of them? You can include foods in there as well, but just maybe unique, exotic, spices and foods that we can get our hands on here in North America uh, that ultimately help us fight inflammation and, and live longer. So uh, burdock is a veggie that I really want to talk about. It's gobo in Japan. And that is the very burrs that catch on your clothing when you're walking through the woods. So instead of cursing it, I want you to dig it up and start cooking it because it's extraordinary. It actually helps to reduce allergic reactions. It helps to uh, quell inflammation. It's, it's really cool that it works on both cleansing the liver and also uh, a urinary tonic as well. And I just love that it tastes so darn good. So it's very sweet. 
and uh, very pleasant. So move over carrots. I want you to have more burdock. Now, we all know that turmeric is extraordinary for reducing inflammation, um, but very um, people don't give fenugreek enough love. Mm -hmm. I will will go there. So fenugreek reduces mucus. Um, It's certainly really good for plumping up liquids in all of the mucus membranes. So it helps us really get over any sort of colds by, by helping to kind of quench uh, our need for fluids in all the right areas. So I, I've really uh, taken to that also an excellent digestion. And then side benefits, sorry to cut in there, but side yeah. benefit is you end up smelling, at least most of us, uh, a little bit like maple syrup. You sweat <laughs> a maple syrup smell. I mean, it's, oh, it's quite I love remarkable. That. Yes, that's absolutely fantastic. And if I was to, to pick one of my favorite carminative spices, because carminatives truly help digestive function, um, help the liver, help help to reduce gas and bloating, and so many people are struggling with that, I would have to say a uh, cardamom is mm. fantastic and delicious. So I would say just embrace all your Indian spices. You know, I, I'd love you to go crazy with cinnamon, cumin, coriander, you name it. Um, and then also I will, I will say the Italian Mediterranean diet with uh, parsley, sage, rosemary, thyme, uh, all of them. They Are we going have... to Scarborough Fair now? Yeah, totally. That's how <laughs> I remember it. Um, just love it for reducing inflammation. How about uh, your top line on mushrooms? I know they're immunomodulatory. They help balance the immune system, which is directly f- tied into you know the inflammatory cascade. But uh, we all need some more of that. Uh, immunity is a forever evergreen topic now. But any favorites, culinary as well as uh, supplemental? Well, the number one culinary one is shiitake because sure. it has so much umami. So you know we all crave. If, if we can satisfy, we will blunt off all cravings for garbage if we satisfy our five tastes. So if we have more sweet, sour, salty, bitter. And if you think you don't like bitter, remember people love coffee. They love chocolate. That means they love bitter. It just needs to be sweetened. And the last one is umami. And that umami is that meaty texture. That's why some people say to me, you know, I crave meat. Well, no wonder you need that sort of earthy, delicious, grounded, amazing umami flavor. And shiitake gives it to you in spades. And it's cool to know the darker the mushroom, the higher in the vegan form of vitamin D, which is interesting. Hmm. And I love the beta-glucan content because that's going to no doubt, um, it's going to help the immune system and also help balance the waistline and also help with cardiovascular disease. So I love how, how dynamic shiitake is and how friendly and how available it is in most stores. So that's why it wins, even though, of course, I want to say lion's mane because it's so darn sexy. Just about to ask you about that one. Yeah. I'm on it right now to stimulate. I was like, I'm, I'm having a conversation with one of my smartest friends. I better, I better take my nootropics before. No, no, I can't say enough about lion's mane. Of course, any of the Asian uh, mushrooms, but that one there, um, I I don't miss in in supplemental form on a daily basis as well. I gotta Mm -hmm. say, you know, your wealth of information. Have you tasted it raw? No, I haven't. Have you? It tastes amazing. What happens? It tastes so good. Mm. It's white as the driven snow. So when you cook it up, it tastes so magical. It's, Mm. it's, uh, it's sort of like the perfectly like pulled out of the ocean. Halibut is to fish. Mm. This is to mushrooms. It's Mm. the perfect thing to introduce a mushroom to uh, to people because it tastes so good. Look for it in your local, um, 
uh, any farmer's market is starting to provide these types of mushrooms. And I know uh, if you if you zip down to Brickworks, they'll have some for you. Very cool. That's in the Toronto area here where we are both situated. Um, I, I want to tell, I want you uh, to enlighten folks uh, about the both results, because there's some imp- incredible, very, very important that folks understand uh, this is not just a program, and I'm referring to uh, your anti-inflammatory transformation program right now, but the, the results that you've had already um, mm. and the program itself. So tell us about this and how can folks register for it and have life-changing effects? Well, I'm so excited that we did a study with uh, our, our, we, we have many friends in common. So Tim Cook and Elliot Jacobson and Dr. Lynn Rinsett. So we had fantastic guidance on this. We created a, a wonderful study showing where someone's coming into our anti-inflammatory program that takes them a hundred days through all the different lifestyle and nutrition practices of reducing inflammation. They come in and we were able to measure the blood urinary uh, measurements for inflammation. And at the end of this 100 days together, we were able to measure it again and shockingly saw uh, a 50% reduction in their highly sensitive CRP. We saw a 50% reduction in their ESR. We also saw a dramatic reduction um, in their weight, the average person losing 35 pounds, but some people losing as much as 55 pounds. Because as we switch on the body's ability to receive insulin correctly, and get the nutrients inside the cells, the the weight falls off without dieting, because I don't believe in a diet, I believe in a live it. So I'm so excited that we're opening that back up to people. And, and I know you're in it, because you're one of my great superstars of explaining all the amazing things about the anti inflammatory lifestyle. So uh, yeah, you know, what you said there, I think semantics count for so much, you know, you said shockingly, and it's true, those stats are incredible to shift those biomarkers like C reactive protein, um, and like erythrocyte sedimentation rate. Uh, That is incredibly impressive. However, it's not that shocking because when folks <laughs> do actually engage in this lifestyle and this way of eating, and it's not just eating, you you impart a lot of lifestyle value add uh, recommendations, which are key. Um, of course, this is going to be the outcome. I, I, you know, I'd, I'd encourage a lot of folks to also keep in mind, you know, this whole very simple concept of getting on the scale in the morning. If you're one of those that are watching your weight. And um, you wake up in the morning and maybe thought you had a little bit too much to eat the previous day or didn't get your exercise in and, you know, you're six, seven pounds heavier. That's not weight. That's not fat tissue. That's inflammation. You are inflamed. Uh, you can't gain that much over, you know, the night. Maybe you're retaining a lot of water. Um, you know, so, you know, you have your daily bowel movement and urination and you're still four or five pounds heavier. It's inflammation. To, it's a sort of a simple way uh, to get a gauge at home. I also like, and I got to throw uh, this lab test out there. Uh, folks can look this up, the chronic inflammation test. Uh, this is a urinary downstream uh, biomarker that anyone can do at home, just a simple urine test. Uh, it's called 11-dehydrothromboxane. So um, uh, this is a great finger on the pulse sort of measurement of uh, inflammation that you can run at home. But encourage everyone, obviously, listen to uh, uh, engage in, in Julie's uh, anti-inflammatory transformation program. Where can they learn more? They can go to transformwithjulie.com awesome. and we'll have it all there. Amazing. So just before we sign out here, I'd like to to, to do a rapid fire, uh, a yes sure. or no with you, if you're good I with love that. It. So here's how it works. I blurred out a food. We've covered them, some of them already. Uh, so it's almost <laughs> like we 
uh, did a bit of a preamble in this, um, but it's a food, a beverage or ingredient. And you just say yes or no, but here's the tricky part. Okay. You're not allowed have a, it's going to kill you and you're going to itch and, but you're not allowed to justify your answer. Sure. Okay. I also encourage you not to say maybe or sometimes. All right. Sure. Sure. All right. Here we go. Coffee, organic. Okay. Coffee. Yes. Grass-fed beef. Yes. Deli meats. No. Eggs. Yes. Dairy. No. Tofu. No. Tempeh. Yes. Aspartame. No. Erythritol. No. I know it's hard. Monk fruit. Yes. Pepper. Yes. Honey. Yes. Extra virgin olive oil. Yes. Canola oil. No. Whole wheat bread. No. Whole wheat pasta. No. Gluten-free snacks. No. Green tea. Yes. Square of dark chocolate. Yes. All right. We're ending off on a high note. Woo, <laughs> there you go. There it's so you... hard not to, uh, to say I, why. You want to justify and qualify, but you know, <laughs> yeah, I thought I, I thought I'd you know, tease that out at the very end there. And it is because some foods just simply do require some caveat. And it's not all yes. about being so strict that once in a while you can't indulge, but to keep this, as you mentioned early on, this is a live it. It's a lifestyle. Right? It is. And that's why I just had to make a personal because yep. it could be good for somebody else. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's 7 billion diets for 7 billion people. We got to keep it super individualized. 100%. (laughs) For more on Julie Daniluk and her anti-inflammatory transformation program and masterclass, you can go to juliedaniluk.com. You can follow her on Instagram and TikTok at Julie Daniluk, and that's D-A-N-I-L-U-K, or Facebook at Julie Daniluk Nutrition. Thank you so much for joining me on Seeking Healthspan. It's been delightful, Bryce. Thanks.